And we welcome you to the Thursday morning show on WGTD. I'm Gregory Berg. If you are tuning into the Thursday morning show expecting to hear about the great Bo Jackson, one of the great athletes of the 20th century, fear not. You'll be hearing from best-selling author Jim Perlman, the author of The Last Folk Hero, in just a few minutes. But we're actually beginning today's morning show with a good friend of the morning show, Dr. James Kinchin, director of choral activities at the University of Wisconsin Parkside. We're going to be spending part one of today's program talking about a performance that's coming up this weekend, specifically Saturday evening in the Francis Bedford Concert Hall at Parkside of a piece by Ludwig van Beethoven that is among the most intriguing that he ever wrote, his choral fantasy. And uh, this is a performance that is going to be conducted by Dr. James Kinchin. And uh, this is a work for orchestra, chorus, and pianist. And at the piano, playing the solo, will be Alfred Jamal Kinchin. And it's no coincidence that the, these two musicians have the same last name. Uh, uh, Alfred Jamal Kinchin is indeed Dr. Kinchin's uh, son and a talented pianist. And so father-son sharing the stage. Uh, but mostly we're going to be talking about Beethoven today and this really interesting work, his choral fantasy, and this rare opportunity to hear this piece played um, uh, before you. So, Dr. Kinchin, we welcome you back to the morning show. Good morning, Greg. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be back with you. Glad we can, uh, glad we can do this. So I think uh, one of the things we should begin with is the very intriguing story behind this choral fantasy. I mean, it is such an odd work. In fact, a lot of people have called it sort of unprecedented or unparalleled. I mean, there really isn't another work exactly like it in terms of the musical elements that come together. Tell our listeners a little bit about uh, the work itself and and what you know about the circumstances under which uh, Beethoven composed this. Well, uh, so so the work itself uh, received its world premiere performance uh, on uh, December 22nd of uh, 1808. So that's like three days before Christmas, okay? And it uh, there was a program, and I think the circumstances are, is really an interesting story there. There was a program that was being featured uh, by the Academy of Music in Vienna. Uh, under the auspices of no less than Ludwig van Beethoven. Uh, and it was like just something that you and I would have trouble imagining, wrapping <laughs> our minds around. It was a huge, huge, huge program. So on the program was the public premiere of his concerto number four in G, mm-hmm. piano concerto number four in G. And right. Beethoven, of course, played yep, as yep. you expect he would. Uh, and it was also the world premiere check this out, of his Immortal Symphony Number no. 5. Da, 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 da. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it's the first time it was heard was at that program and his Symphony Number no. 6, uh, the completely different pastoral, as it's been nicknamed. Right, okay. the five movements, programmatic, uh, one of the greatest musical thunderstorms yeah. in music history, yeah. part of Fantasia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah great, great, important right. work. Yeah, and and by the way, uh, you know, a couple of uh, movements from his Mass in C, and an aria as as well. Ah, uh, perfido. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. So um, he decided at the fairly much the last minute that he needed something 
more for the program, as if we could imagine a program like that needing more. And the something more was going to be this uh, composition that would take advantage of all of the performing forces that were there. Because you mm. had a full orchestra, you had you know the piano, and he was uh, just a, a, an awesome pianist. You had uh, a choir, and you had soloists. And so he, at the last minute, wrote this fantasia, fantasy, for, for what we now call the choral fantasy, for the conclusion of that concert. That was the big finale to a program that really needed no big right, finale. Exactly. It's, <laughs> uh, and already a marathon, and one imagines uh, probably an unheated church in yeah. late December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, for sure. For sure. It was, it was unheated. That, that's documented. As somebody uh, it was, it thought that they would mention the fact that there was no heat in the place, and it was a four-hour concert, four wow. hours. And this choral fantasy, combining all of these interesting elements together, as you said, was conceived uh, for this special occasion and yet another world premiere. As far as we know, uh, is this work pretty much unprecedented? That is, is there any indication that anybody before this had ever written a piece combining forces in this way? As far as we know, there is no other piece that it can be really compared to. I mean, you know, you, I, I, we talked about the Fifth and Sixth Symphony. Well, you know, there's a precedence for the symphony, both in, in terms of Beethoven's use of it and before him, Mozart and Haydn uh, and Concerto, uh, same there. But this choral fantasy was a one-of-its-kind sort of thing. Sort um, of a musical platypus in right. terms of all the different <laughs> right. elements put together. And, of course, the thing that's really interesting about it is, in some ways, it's a precursor to the much better-known um, finale to his Ninth Symphony, yes. the so-called Ode to Joy. But that doesn't have this elaborate piano part. doesn't have any no, piano no. in it at all. No, no, so no, no. this really yeah. is an utterly unique yeah. piece. It is. Something else that I have read about this extraordinary concert from December of 1808 is that, and I'm curious if you know this to be true and can confirm that this was the last time that Beethoven appeared in public as a pianist. I, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm not surprised uh, because uh, really I think around the, the late 1880s, he began to have issues with his ears. And then he moved to Vienna right around, uh, you know, uh, sorry, 17, uh, 1780s. 1780s, yeah. And, and he moved to Vienna, and, and then it got progressively worse. And, of course, medical science was not nearly as scientific as it is now. Right. And so all the things that he was trying with doctors was to no avail, and he was losing his hearing. Um, and, in fact, um, uh, at this particular concert, uh, it seemed to have, have played some some role in, in the performance itself. Mm. But but it's it's like at this point, uh, after this this concert, he begins to do more of the introspective thing, which is composing in in his own private space and less of the thing of performing uh, in, in in public, because mm. uh, you know his his hearing is is, is going. I thought it would be interesting to hear just a, a few moments from the very opening of the choral fantasy, yes. which is the piano yes. uh, on its own before yes. all of these other forces come in. And we'll right, sample right. a little bit of the finale yeah. uh, uh, towards the end of our yeah. time. But here's the very opening of the of the of this choral and, fantasy. Yeah. And, by, and by the way, the last part of it that was actually written down on paper. 
Ah. At the performance, he improvised this whole piano piece. Wow. And there's a real interesting sort of poignancy, I think, to this music. So here is how this choral fantasy by Ludwig van Beethoven begins. opening to Beethoven's choral fantasy. As I, I think, mentioned early in the uh, interview, the pianist who is going to be joining forces with Dr. Kinchin and the Parkerthide Orchestra and the University Chorale and the Master Singers will be one Alfred Jamal Kinchin playing the piano solo. So, Dr. Kinchin, Tell us a little bit about uh, Alfred Jamal Kinchin and uh, and also about uh, the invitation yeah, yeah. Uh, that I assume you issued to yes, him yes, to uh, yes. come be part of this yeah. performance. And I, I am just incredibly pleased and proud and grateful to him for accepting and proud to be able to be collaborative with him in this performance. Um, and, uh, and, and he... He began uh, studying piano at quite a young age, and I have to give a shout-out to his amazing teacher, uh, Anna Koyevich, mm. uh, who did just a, a superb job of bringing him from feet not touching the floor and, and playing the little one-line <laughs> melodies to the point of doing sonatas and etudes um, and, and those kinds of things. Um, but he uh, went on to uh, study at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, uh, and he had a dual major. Uh, it was piano performance and aviation. And um, that is reflective of, I guess, his wide-ranging interests. He was very successful in his matriculation. And so we began to kind of talk about the idea of him doing something. And that was sort of like, in terms of what involves choir and piano and orchestra, that was sort of like uh, the, you know, the thing that we began to gravitate toward. Hmm. Um, he was very warm to the idea. Um, and uh, even as he pursues his life, down at uh, down in Southern Illinois now he graduated last year uh, he is uh, he's consented to work on it and to and to, uh, to to prepare it on that end and so yeah I'm so so honored to have him uh, and and my, my my biggest goal when we when we do that performance will be to stand at the podium and be the conductor and he be the pianist mm. and and and, uh, and not get too emotionally right. entangled with the fact of, of, of him being my son playing <laughs> right. trying not to be dad I mean oh gosh oh you gosh. are dad but yes uh, you have yeah. to wear that uh, mantle of responsibility as conductor first yeah. and foremost in, yeah. in the performance itself so you had mentioned that he flew in rather late last night so I'm assuming that there's been absolutely no rehearsal with the two of you as of not yet. A, not at all, not as of yet. So uh, what do you foresee as being kind of the challenge of putting all of these different elements together, and what kind of challenges does this work present? 
Well, it, it presents challenges of, of different types for everybody. Um, and, and I think that probably as much as it can possibly be, the, and the conductor's always sort of the, uh, the one that kind of holds things together, that that really is my responsibility of pulling all the pieces to, together. Uh, obviously, after the, the excerpt that you played, uh, the, the, com the complete uh, first section of this, then uh, that's when the, uh, the second section begins, which is essentially theme and variations, mm. except that some of the variations almost become development in a sense. They're mm. that elaborate. Mm. Uh, but uh, the orchestra is, is, is sort of... Uh, having dialogue, musical dialogue with the pianist, uh, and it is not until the final section that we hear the voices enter. Uh, there's a trio of, of uh, female singers who become the first uh, voices to be heard, followed by a trio of male singers, and then in the tutti section, the whole choir sings, and it's this really glorious sound, which, as you say, is, is reminiscent in many ways of the of the Ande Freude, the Ode to Joy, that he uses later uh, for the Ninth, Ninth Symphony. Right. And I'm going to say something that I, I, I know a lot of people would disagree with or think is heretical, but as someone who's not particularly fond of the finale to the Ninth Symphony, I just think it's a real big screaming match after a while. I really think <laughs> the choral writing in this work is superior mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to uh, to the Ninth Symphony. I yeah. mean, it's really beautifully yeah. crafted, and for the strange creature that it is in yeah. terms of the things put together, uh, it really has wonderful impact. Quickly, um, my understanding is that there's kind of a mystery about uh, who wrote the text for and, this piece. And, and there is, um, and uh, and I should have made uh, made note of the specific names, but there are two names that are, at, uh, depending on what your source is, given attribution for it. Uh, and there, and, and you know, one of them is supposed to have done it, and then um, uh, Beethoven's uh, student uh, later came along and said, "No, that's not the one who did it. It was mm. someone else who did it." And 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 it, and it's compounded by the fact that everything was done for this work in a hurry, mm. um, and uh, and so so that's not exactly clear uh, who the author of the text is. But the text is very much in the same spirit as the Schiller text for mm. the Ninth, uh, which is sort of like music. Music, uh, as this kind of unifier, powerful force that brings together the human community. Right. Although that's really nice, nicely uh, a nice summary of what this uh, text says. And of course, Beethoven's radiant music supports that so very, very well. So we're talking Thursday morning. How many rehearsals before Saturday night's concert? Two. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. So one today and one tomorrow? Or? Uh, one, one tomorrow and one actually earlier Saturday. Okay, so yeah, yeah. so young Alfred gets to recover from his jet lag and yeah. uh, be fresh as a daisy and ready to undertake this wonderful, yeah. Uh, yeah. wonderful work. So this is Saturday evening, 7 p.m. in beautiful Francis Bedford Concert Hall, one of the loveliest performing spaces in southeastern Wisconsin, ensconced there in the RITA mm -hmm. uh, Regional Center for, uh, I haven't said it in a while, mm. uh, for Arts and Humanities. Regional Center for Arts and Humanities. Right. Okay. Good. <laughs> so, and I think you can go to uwp.edu for uh, ticket information, yes. and this will, of course, involve the University Chorale and Master Singers and Orchestra, and on the podium... Uh, Conductor and proud father as well, Dr. James Kinchin, leading this performance of the choral fantasy of Beethoven. And we're going to hear the last bit of this uh, wonderful work to finish out part one of today's morning show. Dr. Kinchin, I'm so glad we got to sneak this in. 
This was really great to be able to talk about this. Best wishes to you, uh, to your son Alfred, and to all the musicians involved in Saturday night's performance of Beethoven's Choral Fantasy. Thank you so much, Greg. It's always a pleasure. And here it is, the last bit of this intriguing work by Beethoven. Twenty-eight here on WGTD, and that was the final minutes of Beethoven's Choral Fantasy being performed Saturday evening at the University of Wisconsin Parkside.